Welcome to the Hacka Convo. For those of you who are new to this, we've only recorded one other one. We we did actually do a, a second one, but uh, that made its way to the dustbin and we'll never see the light of day. But this is just an informal conversation that Mike and I have, the other part of the Hacka blog, Hacka uh, website, Hacka Facebook. We have a discussion about different topics and we thought it might be kind of cool to have a look at the different parables of Jesus. We don't know how many we're going to do, um, but we thought this might be interesting to have a look at them, uh, read through it, and then just discuss what Jesus meant by the parable, how it can apply to our lives. So, Mike, welcome. Good to have you back on. Thank you very much. Glad to be here again. I'm looking forward to this discussion uh, about the parable of the sower. We're going to be looking at the parable of the sower, and that's found in Matthew chapter 13. And I'm just going to start this out by reading the parable itself. We, we won't read the explanation because we're going to be looking about talking about that. Um, so we'll just read through the parable here, starting in Matthew 13, verse 1. That day Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea, and large crowds gathered to him, so he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd was standing on the beach. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky places, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on the good soil, and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. So, Mike, what are some of your thoughts about the parable of the sower? What are are parables, actually, if you wouldn't mind starting us there? What exactly are parables? And what are some of your thoughts on the parable of the sower? So parables... uh... The, the first thing you have to understand about this parable or any parable that Jesus tells is that his parables were meant to be uh, sort of a divider. Um, that's why he would say at the end of the parable at a lot of not not every single parable, but at the end of a lot of them, he would say he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He was specifically referencing Isaiah, where Isaiah talks about having eyes they see not, having ears they hear not. And, and Isaiah was uh, addressing this generation of uh, Israelites, but really it could apply to any one of us, uh, this generation of Israelites who went through the religious motions and went through the traditions and practiced those types of things, but didn't really understand the heart of God and didn't really understand what God was all about and what God was trying to do and what God was trying to accomplish. And so Jesus would tell these parables. The first thing you have to understand about parables is that basically what they are are short stories uh, that are meant to make a point. And so Jesus doesn't, I, I like to say, I'm, I'm fond of saying that nothing that Jesus said was on accident. If you look at his confrontations with the Pharisees, if you look at his confrontations with sinners, if you look at his confrontations with Pilate later on in Romans, different uh, different people, 
he doesn't say anything on accident. Everything that he says has a purpose, and it's no different with his parables. Everything that he says in his parable has a specific point. And mm-hmm. so with that, you have to understand, Jesus starts off and he says, a sower went out to sow, and he begins to name these different grounds that the seed falls on. The first thing you have to understand about the parable of the sower is that the importance here is not in, or, or that the difference here is not in the seed, it's in the ground. And, yeah. and what I've said before is that the seed represents the word of God. The word of God will work anywhere that it's sown that is good ground. If, if the, the word of God has the potential to grow, to cause growth, to cause reproduction, but it is solely dependent on the ground on which it falls. And so when, when we understand that, then we understand the importance of the parable of the sower. Jesus isn't, isn't just saying that uh, he isn't just talking about the power of the word of God. What he's talking about is the power that, that you have to choose how the word of God works. Yeah, that's very that's good. The importance, that's the importance of this parable. It's, it's not that, uh, that that the sower sows the word of God. It's that the person who is receiving the word of God is responsible for how the word of God reproduces in their lives. Right. That's so good because it's it's the same word. It's the word of God. The word of God will accomplish a work, but it is contingent on the individual. It's contingent on what they bring to the process as far as as you're saying, the condition of their heart. Are they ready to receive the word? What are they doing to cultivate the word of God in their life? Because the word of God has power. The word of God has authority. The word of God will change your life, but you have to be the person that allows it to take place. Yeah, yeah, and that's, that's his whole point. You can't miss that in the parable of the sower because you'll miss everything else. And, and, and the rest of the parable will kind of go over your head. But the first thing you have to understand is this foundation that Jesus is laying is that ultimately the responsibility lies with you. The word mm. of God is going to be preached. You're going to hear the word of God. But how you, how you respond will determine the effectiveness of the seed. Mm. And so that's, that's the first thing that we have to understand when we look at this parable. And we could stop there and, and go on uh, for a long time about bringing expectation and, and making sure that, that you're ready to receive the word of God and that when the sower goes out there and, and sows the seed, when the pastor gets up to the pulpit and preaches, when the teacher, the instructor is opening up the word of God to you, that, that it's your responsibility to bring that expectation to provide uh, that good ground. And I don't want to get ahead of the conversation, but man, we could spend a lot of time there. Yeah, so I mean, and then... What, what happens now is that Jesus begins to go down this list uh, of different ground. And um, the first ground that he talks about is the wayside. And the wayside represents those who hear the word of God, but never really respond to it. These, these are like the people who show up to church, they're invited to church, the word goes forth, and then they just turn around and walk right back out the door. It has no effectiveness. The ground is not prepared. The ground is not cultivated. It's not ready 
for the word of God. It does not mean, I don't think what Jesus meant by saying this was that that person is lost and going to hell. That's not the point of the parable. What he's saying is, is that that type of ground represents the type of person who is not yet ready to cultivate the ground and to receive the word of God. It doesn't mean, I don't believe that it doesn't mean that it will, it won't change later and that they won't uh, become good ground later. I believe all of these grounds are subject to change. And but right. the whole point is that when he's talking about the, the wayside, he's talking about the people who, who are so hard uh, that either life has caused them to be hard or uh, he, he specifically says the devil comes in and steals the word of God, takes it away, and they don't respond to it. So the, the, the wayside is pretty self-explanatory. There's not really a, a whole lot of, uh, a whole lot of digging that you can, that, that you can do on that type of ground, but it's basically the people who hear, but don't respond. Yeah. And, and that obviously could be even in a Bible study or in conversation with someone, uh, recognizing that m- maybe someone's not ready to receive and, and you can, try and show the love of God and share the gospel with them, not necessarily through scripture, but through compassion, through acts of service, through showing love to them. And then through that, you can somehow maybe get them to a point where they're no longer this wayside ground, but now uh, they may be ready to receive the word. But uh, yeah, don't give up on them. As you said, uh, you can continue to reach for them, but do it in ways that may not necessarily involve uh, quote unquote scripture, but you're showing right. compassion and you're showing love. You're being that epistle, you know, that is read by all men and they'll see through your good works that, that you are indeed his disciple. Yeah. And that's a fantastic point. If you, if you look at Jesus's dealings with, with other people, he didn't treat every person the same way, right? He, he it wasn't, some kind of machine or mechanism that he plugged people into and disciples popped out the other side. That's not how it works. People are people and, and we're all different for better or for worse. Sometimes right. we're all different, but Jesus treated different people. He didn't treat the Pharisees the same way that he treated the adulterous woman. He didn't treat the adulterous woman the same reason, the same way that he treated Matthew, the tax collector. So he, he had different methods for for uh, for dealing with people like this who who were originally hard ground or or compact ground, um, I, I've dealt with quite a few of them. Um, let me tell you this: here's a tip: don't try to debate these people. It's just it's not going to work. You're going to end up frustrated. You're going to end up irritated. You're going to end up aggravated, and at the end of the day it's not going to make a whole lot of difference because the ground is not cultivated. It's not ready. But um, what we have to understand is that you never give up on those people, never walk away from them. And just by, by way of story real fast, I worked with a guy for probably three or four years. He was an atheist and uh, I still pray for that guy. Uh, I worked on that guy for three or four years uh, and I, I would end with, with conversations just saying, Ryan, just try it, man. Just just come to church one time. If it's not for you, then fine, but just try it. And he never reached that point with me there. But you never know. Only eternity will tell us 
whether Ryan ends up getting saved or not. There could be somebody who comes along after me who is better able to penetrate into that ground and into that soil, and God can still do his work. So never give up, but understand that there are some people who are just not ready to hear what you have to say. Yeah, and and that kind of touches on another point to this parable that the sower's responsibility is to sow the seed. So you right. know, it's, it's not your responsibility per se. According to this parable, I mean, we're not saying as a farmer, it's not your responsibility to work the ground per se. But according to the parable, it's not necessarily the sower's responsibility to go in there and make the ground change. Um, but it's the sower's responsibility to share the word, to sow the seed. Yeah, I would, I would actually say that's probably the second main point. I'm glad you brought that up. That's probably the second main point that you need to understand about this this parable is that the sower is literally just throwing the seed out there. And it's for whosoever will. Mm. All right, so let's move on to the next type of ground mention. Yeah, so uh, the next type of ground that Jesus talks about is the stony ground. And, and this gets a little more interesting uh, because these next two grounds that he talks about are grounds that where the the person involved, the person he's talking about, originally responds to the word. So in the stony ground, in the case of the stony ground, the person originally responds to the word, but he specifically says they have no depth of earth. And that's that's very key to understanding the stony ground. They had no depth of earth. What happens is they receive the word they immediately receive it and then but they don't cultivate the ground further they don't dig deeper they don't grow roots they don't uh they they don't get stronger through prayer through bible reading through these different things that make a christian go and so what happens is over time jesus talks about tribulation comes and affliction comes mm. And it says that because of those things, the word is snuffed out and it stops having effectiveness in their lives. And so I I discovered something really cool. This is how awesome Jesus' parables are. I've probably read this parable 20, 25 times at least. Um, And I just stumbled across something the other day that I thought was really cool. He, He talks about the word affliction. And then he talks about the word tribulation. In in the word affliction, if you look it up, means pressure. Mm-hmm. Okay? So he says when trouble comes, when tribulation, when we think of tribulation, we think of the great tribulation, we think of the end of the world, we think of, that's not what the word tribulation means. The word tribulation mean, just simply means trouble, mm-hmm. especially in this passage. That's all it means. And so when he says tribulation comes and affliction comes, what he's saying is trouble and pressure come. So when I've always read that passage in the in, in in the past, I've always thought of it as okay. Well, when tribulation comes, when when somebody starts knocking on their door and and threatens to kill them and stuff like that, then they fall away. Mm-hmm. But the more that I've read this passage, I don't think that that's exactly what Jesus is talking about. I think what he's talking about is when trouble and when pressure comes, and so when when when. We say that the word causes an undesirable pressure and they fall away. What does that mean? 
What that simply means is when the word is preached, because they have no depth of earth, because they don't have a solid understanding, because their understanding is very shallow, when the word is preached, it causes offense. Mm. Jesus specifically talks about offense when he's talking about that second ground. And he talks about when, when offense comes and, and when trouble comes then and pressure comes, then that's when they fall away. This isn't necessarily talking about some kind of outward pressure from, from the government or from whoever, although I think that can apply. Mm. But what I think Jesus is specifically talking about is an inward pressure. When they hear the word of God, there's an inward pressure. Conviction comes. And instead of being convicted by the word, they respond to it in the same way that the Pharisees did when they stoned Stephen. And instead of being convicted, they begin to uh, build up this resentment and, 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 and this inward pressure begins to happen and they can't handle it and they can't take it. And so they fall away. And if you, if you really pay attention to Jesus's life, that's, the majority of the people he came into contact right, with, right? They immediately received the word, but then he would say something that would aggravate them. If, for instance, John chapter six, right after, right after he feeds the 5,000 with the loaves and the fishes, he begins to talk about, uh, he says, he says, unless you drink my blood, yep. which sounds very strange, and, and he begins that whole passage and he begins talking about that. And the people begin to say, what is going on here? What We, we don't understand that this is weird. This has shifted and become weird. Well, it's because they were that stony ground. They were there for the loaves and the fishes. They were there and they immediately received the word. But when, when that inward pressure from the word came to change them, they responded negatively and they did not like what they heard. That's awesome. I love that. And, uh, and that's really good revelation because it, it is that inward pressure. And it makes sense because he's talking about stony ground. The The stones are underneath the ground. It's not above. Yeah. It's not outside. It's not attacks right. uh, coming, coming from people who are outside, but it's on the inside. It's on the inside of the soil, the stony ground. And actually, I was, um, I'm just working on a, a message that I was going to share to uh, the youth in a couple weeks, and I just stumbled across this passage uh, in Acts 24. You you uh, you used one of the other illustrations I was possibly going to mention with John 6, so I thought, oh, maybe I'll share this. In Acts 24, Paul is talking to Felix, and uh, Felix and his wife have come to talk to him, and they're interested, and, and they want to know about his faith in Jesus. And it says in verse 25 of Acts 24, but as he was discussing righteousness self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix became frightened and said, go away for the present, and when I find time, I will summon you. I think that's a classic example of stony ground. He was fine to hear about Jesus. He was fine to hear about the miracles. He was fine to even hear about some of the teaching. But then when Paul starts going into the deeper things, you know, into uh, not necessarily faith, but he's talking about righteousness, and he's talking about having self-control, and, and judgment that's going to take place if you don't have that self-control. Felix is like, hey, no, on a second. No, I'm all good. I'm all good. I right. think that's a classic example of stony ground. Yeah. Yep. I think that's, I think that's a great point. I think that's because 
it seems that Felix was willing to hear the word, mm. like you said. And then when he started hearing things he didn't like, and, and, and this is where you'll step on people's toes a little bit. And I think, this, I think Jesus said this on purpose. I think he was purposely trying to step on people's toes. That was the point of the parable. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Right. And so when, when he's saying this, he's trying to get their attention and trying to say, this is you, and this is how you need to fix it. This is how you need to change it. And so with the stony ground, if you're the stony ground, that's okay. Mm. Just fix it. Just respond. Just get deeper into the word. Allow the word of God to change you. Allow the word of God to speak to you. Don't get offended when someone says something that you don't like. Don't get offended when the word of God goes forth. The, the word of God. Now, see, there's a difference between the preached word of God that comes from the actual word of God and pastors and preachers who kind of take their own prerogative <laughs> and kind of start doing their own thing. There's a little bit of a difference there. But when the word of God goes forth, when the pure preached word of God goes forth, respond to it. Don't mm. get angry. Don't get frustrated. Uh, I'll use your church as an example. Pastor Harvey is not up there to beat people up. He doesn't want to do that. God doesn't want to do that. No one wants to do that. But the fact of the matter is, is that there are things in our lives that need to change. And someone with humility will understand and will realize I've got to change. I've got to be different. I, I, I can't I, I can't get offended every time someone says something that I don't like. And, and you, so with the stony ground, that's where we got to be careful. Yeah, I, I agree. And through your own discipline and your own receptiveness, you can break up that stony ground. It yes. doesn't, like we've yes. said, it doesn't have to stay that way. Just because there's stony ground uh, at the at the moment doesn't mean it needs to stay that way. When that word comes, instead of allowing the stones to uh, choke out the word, you break up that soil and allow it to uh, find that that fertile ground where it can grow and, and make the difference in your life. Yeah, so he, and I think I think that's why Jesus specifically ended with the good ground. And he said that this is the ultimate destination. This is where we all need to head. Not all of us are there. That's fine. But we'll get there through work and through understanding the word of God. So he only he only spent in the original parable, he only, he only spent one verse on, uh, maybe obviously these verses are, you know, subjective. Like they, <laughs> Jesus didn't say verse seven. And he's talking now verse eight, but, um, there's what? only one, <laughs> right. There's only one ver. There's only one, uh, sentence committed to the thorny ground. I wonder why that is. Others fell among the thorns and the thorns came up and choked them out. Yeah. And, and he, he, when he explains the parable, he goes into a little more depth, but yeah, it, it's, um, if you look at his explanation, he actually says something interesting. The, those who have the thorny ground are, once again, people who initially receive the word. It's the same as the stony ground. They initially receive the word with joy. And then he says in the explanation of his parable, the cares of the world get in the way. Mm. And this to me is probably the saddest one. Because they initially receive the word of God. They're doing well. They're doing what they're supposed to do. And then they allow other priorities 
to come into their lives. That's what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about priorities. He's talking about keeping the kingdom of God first. That's why he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. If you put the kingdom first, if you put the kingdom in its proper priority and its proper perspective, God will add everything else. I'm a living testimony to that. I don't, I don't know if people actually believe that passage or not, but I'm a living testimony to that. I've had two big moves across the country where I have sought to put God as a priority in my life. And not one day, not one day have I ever had to worry about food. Have I ever had to worry about shelter? Have I ever even had to worry about finances? And I don't say that to brag on myself. I say that to brag on God. If you put him as a priority, then everything else will fall into place. And unfortunately, the thorny ground, the people on the thorny ground, they don't learn the proper priorities. They allow, he, he says in the explanation, the cares of the world begin to grow up and they begin to choke out the word. Mm. And, and, and it's so sad because what happens is these can, the, I believe Jesus is talking about church people here. Oh yeah, They're people sure. who can sit on a pew for 15, 20 years. They can hear the word of God, but because there are other priorities, because there are other things that are more important, it chokes out that word of God. Mm. And so they begin to fall away. They may never leave the pew. They may never walk away from the pew, but that, and I've said it, I, I don't mean to sound harsh or anything like this, but you can backslide on a pew. You can you can be lost on a pew. It's it's perfectly uh, possible, and so what Jesus is talking about here is these people who initially receive the word, but then the cares of the life they allow other priorities to come up, and then what 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 his point is is here is that the word of God must be the priority. Right. The word of God must be the priority. It absolutely has to be number one. Over the music, I'm sorry to say it. I know that might be offensive to some people. Over the music, over over everything else that takes place in a service, over everything else in your life, over your job, over your wife, over your finances, over your children, over anyone else, the word of God is supposed to have priority. Because what happens, and, and, and again, God doesn't do anything on accident. If you put the word of God as priority, it will fix everything else in your right, life. Right. It will fix any trouble you have with your spouse. It will fix any trouble you have with your children. It will fix any trouble you have with finances. It will fix all of those things because you'll have the wisdom of the word of God to lead you and to guide you. So good. And real- all, all you have to do is spend all you have to do is spend a few days in Proverbs or Ecclesiastes, yeah. and and you will be blown away from the advice just in those two books. And, and that's not Absolutely. talking about all the other uh, passages in the Bible, just those two books. You could live a very successful life following after the principles just in those two books. Yes. Yeah, you don't, I, I, I mean, <laughs> if you follow the advice in those books, you don't even have to be saved. You, exactly. You can, you can have a successful life based on the principles alone right. in those books. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, that's the that's the importance of the Word of God. It's we don't read our Bibles, and I'm about to get on a little bit of a soapbox here. We don't read our Bibles to just check it off the list. Well, God, I prayed and I read my Bible today for 30 minutes. Mm. 
that's awesome. That's not why we read the Word of God. We read the Word of God so that it will change us. Mm. We read the Word of God so that so that when that Word falls on that ground, as Jesus talks about in this parable, it can change something within us. It can get deep into our souls, deep into our spirits, deep into our hearts, and it can change us. Mm. That's why we read the Word of God. Yeah, and I like uh, you noted this down um, in some of the notes that you sent me about this parable, you said uh, the desire, a desire for financial success and freedom, can replace our desire for the Word of God, and that's that's the thorns coming in and choking out the Word of God, choking out what God wants to do. And sometimes, yeah, God will uh, bless you, but He's going to bless you in a way that you may not, you may not necessarily equate to quote-unquote, 21st century Western society blessing, um, he may bless you in a completely another way. He may give you financial success, but why did he give you that financial success? It's not so that you can build mansions and and have uh, a a great home here, but maybe you're blessed in order to be a blessing to someone else, in order to give to people who are without. There's so many different ways that we can go here, and and we don't want to get too far off track, but yeah, we can easily, I mean, I'm currently in the process of building a home. Uh, the land was literally just released, and it's exciting. We, we signed the contract a year ago, and, and now we're finally about to actually uh, get into the building phase of the home. But if I'm not careful, I need to be careful, because I can't allow the process of this house being built, the things that we're going to uh, be getting for the house, I can't allow my desire for a nice home. I can't allow my desire for uh, you know all these things inside the home to replace my desire for the Word of God or to respond to the Word of God. If God asks me to give, I still got to be able to give. No, the right. God, that was supposed to be for the new couch. <laughs> that was supposed to... I can't give the missions. That's supposed to be for this. No, we need to allow the Word of God, the written Word, but also the spoken Word of God in our hearts. We need to be receptive to that and not allow the cares of the world to uh, choke it out and and, yeah. and put a cap on what God uh, can do and will do in our lives. Yeah, I mean, and, and just one final point on this specific ground. He talks about the deceitfulness of riches. He talks about riches being deceptive. And what he's talking about there in that particular context is that if you're not careful, you'll allow the thought that you have money to be the priority. You'll, you'll, you'll slip into this way of thinking that, that um, I have money and that's all I need and it becomes a priority. Now, see, this is where it gets a little iffy because you have, I'm not going to name anybody specifically, but you have people out there who believe that financial blessing means blessing from God. That is absolutely untrue. I do believe that God blesses you and your finances, but just because you have financial blessings, just because you have money does not mean that God has blessed you and that God has approved of your life. And that's exactly what Jesus is talking about here. When he talks about the deceitfulness of riches, they allow money to have the priority. And so they slip into this way of thinking that because they have money, that that's all they need. And it's a slippery slope. 
Paul talks about it with Demas. Hmm. Demas has forsaken me having loved this present world. Hmm. He saw something flashy. He saw something that caught his eye and it caused him to leave and abandon Paul. And that's exactly what Jesus was talking about. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, we need to make sure that we don't allow the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of the world, the deceitfulness of the cares of this world to choke out what God wants to do in our life, the Word of God that is trying to grow and prosper in our lives and in our ministry. So we've talked about all the bad grounds, or not necessarily bad, but the the types of grounds we would not like to be. Uh, So let's talk about the kind... Yeah, let's let's talk about the kind of ground uh, we should be. So yeah, Jesus ends by talking about the good ground, um, and I think his point here. Uh, I don't have too a whole lot to say. It's pretty self-explanatory, just like the wayside. Uh, it's like the wayside is really really bad. The good ground is really really good, and so basically his point here is that these are people who consistently hear the word consistently respond to the word and consistently apply the word application is just as important as hearing you can hear all you want to but if you never apply the word if it never has application in your life then it's not doing you any good and you might as well have not even heard it and so jesus's point with this parable i think that probably the main thing one of the main things that he's trying to push across in this parable is that you cannot tune out the word of God at any point. There never arrives a point in your life. Again, Pastor Harvey is a great example, wonderful, awesome, spiritual man of God, but he will tell you he is never, he will never reach a point where he can tune out the word of God. My, my former Bishop, Bishop Gleason, He used to say it all the time. You never arrive at a point where you can start tuning out the word of God. You never become spiritual enough to where you no longer need the word of God. And that's what Jesus's point in this parable is. You you can start with the wayside, then go to the stony ground, then go to the thorny ground, then go to the good ground. His point through all of it is that the thorny ground and the stony ground originally received the word, but they didn't consistently apply it. And so they fell away. But those who have the good ground, the difference in them was that they not only heard the word and responded to it, but they consistently applied it. Consistency is the most important concept in the life of a Christian. Yeah, not only did they consistently apply it, but they consistently worked on the ground. They they allowed those spiritual disciplines to be taught to them, and then they responded to that word by working on spiritual disciplines. It's not enough yeah. to uh, pretend that you're receptive at church and say amen and high-five each other, and then you go home throughout the week and you're not working on anything that the preacher just preached or that the pastor Absolutely. just shared. We need to consistently receive the Word and then put a plan into place as to how we're going to allow that Word to make a difference in our lives. And, and I'll give a, a quick example. The podcast that I had recently with Christopher Green uh, I went into that conversation thinking we were just going to have a chat. And, bro, that guy blew the doors off. I mean, he's he's ministering yeah. and, and ministering directly to me and, and obviously anyone else who is listening to the podcast. And uh, and 
I could hear that word and be like, oh, that's great. That's nice. I hope everyone enjoys that uh, and think, oh, I'm sweet. I'm good. But it's exactly what you said. There's no point that you get to where you have arrived. And he even talks about that in, in the episode himself. He's like, I, you know, I haven't arrived. And he's constantly trying to get better. Uh, and, and so it was my responsibility to hear that word and then now apply it to my life by putting a plan into place. How am I going to cultivate that word in my life? How am I going to make sure that I'm consistently praying for people to receive the Holy Ghost, that I have a passion for the lost, that I am interceding for others? How am I going to apply that to my life and allow the power of God and the Spirit of God to work in my life? Yeah, I've heard it. I took the time to listen to it. I took the time to edit it and do all this. But what good is it going to do if I don't put a plan in place to make sure that what I've just heard can now be actioned and actualized in my life. Yeah, and and one final point that I have is that if you are relying on the pastor or the preacher to be the sower in your life, you're doing Christianity wrong. You're doing it 100% wrong. I do believe strongly in pastoral authority, preachers who have authority, who can speak into your life, That's awesome. I believe in that with all of my heart. But that's not the main point of Christianity. The main point of Christianity is digging into the word of God for yourself. It's great that other people can get revelation and give it to you. But do you know how exciting it is when you get revelation for yourself? When you sit down, you open up the word of God. You allow that seed to fall onto that good ground And God starts speaking to you and opening things up to you that you've never seen before. It will happen. I guarantee you it will happen if you're consistent and you apply it. And so the thing is, is that if you're just relying on a word from God from your pastor once or twice a week, every every week, you're doing it wrong. Mm. That was never the point. The point is to get this for yourself. Your pastor is supposed to encourage you. He's supposed to uplift you. He's supposed to speak things into your life that can help you and that can that that can correct you, that can discipline you. But revelation should not only come from your pastor. Mm. It should be happening every day when you open up the word of God. Allow God to be the sower. Absolutely. I think that's the point. I think yeah, that's right. 100% the point. Like your pastor can be the sower, a preacher can be the sower, uh, someone you know who you're friends with, they could be the sower. Anyone can be the sower if they're sowing the word of God in your life that is obviously theologically sound, biblically correct, that sort of thing. You know, yes. Don't go out there and be like, I got, I got this revelation. I don't need to listen to my pastor anymore. Uh, that's <laughs> probably not from God. Um, Please but, don't. <laughs> exactly. But... Let God be the sower. Allow him to sow the word of God in your life. Not, not just through his written word, but he can also speak to you and, uh, and make sure that obviously God's not going to contradict his word. So if he's spoken to you, it's going to be in line with the word of God. Uh, we want to be yes. careful with that right there. But uh, any final thoughts yeah. before we uh, finish this up? No, uh, I mean, I think that, you know, the importance, the, the, the most important thing is that when you understand, when you hear the word parable, understand that there is a there is a lesson, there's a point to it. Jesus wasn't just telling a cool story. Uh, he, he was relaying a message. He was 
getting across a message and with the parable of the sower the message is loud and clear it's extremely clear for he who has ears to hear and it's that we need to be cultivating that ground and allowing the word of god to change us awesome well i hope you guys have enjoyed uh this conversation we're going to be doing a couple more of these on different parables Uh, so if you have enjoyed it feel free to share it around continue to follow the podcast we'll be getting stuff out uh, weekly and sometimes even twice a week uh, when Mike decides to hop on Zoom and Woo-hoo! and we have this conversation. So if you subscribe to it, thank you. Encourage others to subscribe to the podcast. It's the way that you'll be able to get it without me having to bother you on social media. You can get it directly into your podcast feed. If you could review the show wherever you're listening to it, that'd be great because uh, that just gives other people the opportunity to see what other people are saying about it and give us a a listen, give us a try. So thanks everyone for listening, for your time today. I hope this blessed you, and don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers also.